Thanks a lot, everybody, for listening. Stay tuned for episodes dropping every two Mondays. Continue to enjoy your summer. And, uh, yeah, I love you all. Peace. Switch up there. So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Ease Conversations. Thanks a lot to everyone who listened to the last episode featuring the homie Matt and I. I hope you enjoyed listening to us provide our uh, lists of our top five favorite action movie protagonists. And we gave you some good recommendations if you haven't seen some of the movies to go back and uh, visit their respective catalogs. So now for episode 116 of Easy Conversations. I'm extremely excited, of course, to be back in the studio virtually with the homie Matt. So it's up to the people. What's going on, everybody? Hope you're having a great time right now. It's summer. We should all be having fun. And tonight we have some fun for you guys. Uh, we will be discussing one of my favorite film directors in his career. Eric, why don't you tell the people who that person is? Yep, exactly. So for this one, we're going to be going over Christopher Nolan, revered director's filmography, talking about his style and uh, the various tactics that he uses in making his film that make them so recognizable and iconic for the most part. And we're going to be beginning going over through over his movies by going over his latest film that was released a week ago, recording today, which would be Oppenheimer. I'm sure everyone's heard of it. It's been hyped up for many years now. And it was um, that alongside Barbie make with one respective half each of Barbenheimer. Maybe we'll get into Barbie in a future episode. I have not seen it at this point in time, so I couldn't really say much. However, I have seen Oppenheimer, and if you'll recall, in the last episode, I said that Oppenheimer had flop potential, and I'll provide my reasoning in that, again, when there's so much hype for these, be it a movie, an album, a TV show, sometimes that ends up being a destructive path that overhypes certain items of content and make it so that they have these impossible standards to live up to and quite often they um, miss the mark on how they're built up. So Oppenheimer had this massive cast, it's Christopher Nolan, a lot of well-known actors and revered actors, so that's why I kind of saw it as something that had the potential to disappoint. Now I've seen it and I can firmly say that it was not a flop it did not disappoint it's a great movie would be opening thoughts just really blanket and of course we're going to be spoiling this movie so if you haven't seen Oppenheimer maybe run down to the theater watch in 70 millimeter film in IMAX if you can and uh, then come back so yeah opening thoughts are Oppenheimer not a flop can confirm and great movie I thought uh, the running time was justified like it did not really feel that long like I was trying to think about parts that I could maybe cut and there weren't really many. I thought everything in the movie was justified and it helped to build up to this, um, like the culmination of all the events in the movie. And yeah, because it's a fast moving movie, I think all the quick cuts and the edits moving from one place to the next jumping years at times made for, um, although a long running time, a very good paced movie so i know i said a lot there matt i'd throw it over to you what were your thoughts on oppenheimer opening thoughts you said a lot of good stuff eric uh stuff that i'm gonna touch upon too but no opening thoughts is i thought it was a great movie as well not in your like the mount rushmore of nolan films but like 
in the middle, you know, certainly not his worst. Um, I like the narrative, the non-linear narrative jumping back and forth. It kept the three-hour pace going. Like, it it kept the quick pace for the movie, which I enjoyed. I like jumping back and forth. I know it confused a lot of some people. I, I like stuff like that. What I loved about this movie the most, though, was the acting. Top-notch acting. Like, every minor little character that has a throwaway line of dialogue is, like, a recognizable face. Like, everyone jumps at the opportunity opportunity to be in a Nolan movie. It was, like, spotting all these actors in the background. It was fun. Uh, this movie it couldn't have been done without Killian Murphy. Let's talk about him for a second, Eric. The man's a phenomenal actor. He's been in like four other Nolan movies. Kills it as Robert Oppenheimer. So good. I know while he was shooting the movie, he was like distanced himself a lot from the actors and didn't want to like join in celebrations. He was super focused to do this role. A lot of studying going on. He's kind of a, if you've seen Killian Murphy in interviews, he's kind of like a, doesn't like share any information doesn't give away any information for free he's very reserved proud to proud irishman he's very he's just a quiet man in my opinion and he was perfect as oppenheimer so before i pass it on to you for your thoughts on killian murphy i just yeah overall really great movie an epic really and i really enjoyed it yeah i would agree killian murphy obviously stole the show as uh is it J. Robert Oppenheimer or Robert J. Oppenheimer? I'm not really sure, but he crushed it in the role. Always captivated your full attention while he was on the screen. How he carried himself as this larger-than-life character he completely embodied the role perfectly. And yeah, just a very dynamic character, serious and... Not very funny, which was fine by me, honestly. Didn't really need the humor in this movie. It didn't really mm. fit the um, the tone of this movie to begin with, so you definitely can excuse it. And for me, the jumping back and forth between different timelines, which is a classic Nolan. He doesn't really tell his movies in a linear fashion. He likes to either start at the end, work our way back, presenting new information, and then flipping what we saw at the beginning of the movie. And the usage of the different uh, colors in the movie as well, like the black and white scenes and the in-color scenes, which represent different things as well. But I was always able to follow along for, I'd say like at least 80 to 90% of the time, what was occurring when. And that what helped me out a lot was diff- Killian's Murphy's hair in a lot of um, mm. his different scenes. Like I knew, okay, he had the long hair when he was a student. Now he's trimmed it up a little bit. He's a, he's graduated. Now he's building this team. Like it was a bit easier to follow in that sense by following the hair. I'm sure any barber watching can sympathize with that. <laughs> yeah, I thought he was the, the stole the show. The next man up, I would say, would be Robert Downey Jr. as Strauss. Was a big mm-hmm. fan of his character. Unsure which way they were going with him until later on in the movie when they obviously reveal what his motivations are towards Oppenheimer but I love how they presented all that for the plot and me going into the movie I had seen little teases of the movie but don't recall watching a full trailer for Oppenheimer so I didn't know that the focus of the movie would be the trial to get hit to determine whether or not Oppenheimer was a Soviet spy or not I had no idea he had any ties to the communist party and had sympathizers with that ideology. So all of this I was thrown going in completely blind with. And 
yeah, I mean, I didn't really know what the resolution would be either, not knowing much about Oppenheimer in general. I didn't know if he was going to go down or if he would end up on top at the end because they're kind of making it seem like something really bad was going to happen to him. Like from the onset of the movie, mm. when Strauss is at the on, I'm not sure if it was an official trial or not, to be honest, but when he's answering questions from that committee, it, um, it made it sound like either Oppenheimer was dead or he had done something extremely um, troublesome against the um, United States. So it, the movie had me captivated the whole time. And it was, like you said, largely due to the acting in the movie. The performances overall by everyone were unbelievable. Amazing dialogue. Those would be the biggest strengths of the movie for me. Dialogue, acting how they're able to hook you in and want to know, okay, who's in the wrong here? Like, who's the spy? Where does Oppenheimer's allegiance lie? All that. Like, it was a great movie. And I also agree with you too. I wouldn't say it's one of my favorite, favorite Nolan movies, but it's a great movie and upper echelon, but not top, top. And I'll probably break that down later in the episode, like where I'd rank his other movies uh, compared to this. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you said a lot of, again, you said a lot of good things. Um, what captivated me like what kept me intrigued every scene was i didn't know anything about oppenheimer either before watching this movie so i'm like i'm learning historical stuff here about objectively one of the most important mans of the 20th century right changed the face of the world maybe the most important man um i didn't know anything about his life so it was cool going on like okay he's a bit of a ladies man Mm. and a bit is an understatement um seeing his communist stuff i didn't know any of that too so that kept the, the 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 running time you know it wasn't it didn't feel long at all um love the trial love the little like kangaroo court in that little closet room with jason clark's character playing the lawyer like grilling him like loved all that stuff only getting the whole picture as the movie's progressing and by the end you realize like what's going on with strauss what's going on with oppenheimer and his trial 10 years before that and then the pre-world like the pre-atomic bomb stuff too robert downey jr he was amazing. I always knew he was a good actor because I've seen him in other roles other than his Marvel movies, but he, he brought it to another level. And he's quite proud of this performance. I know he said that. like he's He thinks it's his best performance and it's different than any Marvel movie he's done. He's very proud of this, as he should be. But almost unrecognizable in like the makeup too, right? I like the fact that in the movie there were like real-life scientists like Einstein and uh, Niels Bohr and like other everyone's based on a real person basically and I, I kind of like that it it had more like gravitas and more important it felt really important you know um, everything leading up to that testing of the Trinity uh, prototype bomb I think they called it like that was so cool um, Nolan's filming style like he shot everything on film no CGI he said there's not an ounce of CGI in the movie gotta respect him for that um, all the close-ups, Killian's perception of things, like when he's stressed or anxious, love that stuff. Um, you know that scene in like the uh, when he's giving the speech, the like they're giving him like a, an applause and an ovation. Eric, that that was amazing. I, I love that stuff. I didn't know what the climax or culmination of the movie was gonna be. Like I didn't even know if we were gonna see maybe the two atomic bombs hitting Japan or the test was gonna be the last few scenes. But I kind of like that. It wasn't the very end, but it ended with like a conclusion on his life where 
eventually gets all the accolades and he's an old man and he gets all the praise but not before going getting put through the ringer from the government and einstein said that would happen too so did you like that like more quieter conclusion or would you have liked more of an epic more of an epic uh something more with bombs or something i don't know what do you think of the, the last act of the movie no i think the the conclusion was perfect honestly because me too i had a hard time gauging how much time had passed when i was in the theater everything building up to the atomic bomb going off like their test there definitely had finale vibes because of the build-up and then you know it's gonna work obviously i had a feeling it would anyways in the test environment and then the deafening silence and just how much time they spent on okay like this is how catastrophic or the impact that this bomb could have how impressive it is it could have ended around there, honestly, and then we see... I don't think we needed to see um, the two bombings in Japan also. I think that was a good decision. Like, we all knew mm-hmm. it was going to work, and it, that that was going to be the outcome anyways. We knew that, that was, was, was gonna, that's what was going to happen. So I don't think it was necessary to show it. I like that they didn't, honestly. I like that they focused more on, like you said, the, the trauma and the aftermath that it had on Oppenheimer. And then going through the procedural court plot to wrap that all up and focus more on Oppenheimer again, which it's his movie, right? It's a biopic, I guess. And I actually loved the ending, the the conversation to all the way with um, Einstein at the end, finally getting to see that and just how they mm-hmm. how often they called back on that scene and then when uh, I forget the actor's name, the guy who plays Han Solo and Solo says like, oh, you know, maybe they weren't even talking about you at all when he says that to Strauss. <laughs> and then sure enough, they weren't just so egotistical, I guess. Like he's thinking, oh, he must have, all those scientists are against me. It was great. And then just the conversation about talking about how impactful this, their work could become and how it's going to change the world. And then that lingering shot on Killian Murphy just showing like the fear in his eyes and the realization of what he could do to the world and um, how it won't be the same once his work is done. And those scenes in court were electric too, both with Mm -hmm. um, Strauss and with Oppenheimer when Emily Blunt, like his wife goes at, Mm. goes at it with the lawyer who again, uh, keep calling back the Planet of the Apes movies. He plays Malcolm in Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, the um, the lawyer anyways. So he was great. I yeah. loved all his scenes when he and all the different characters were kind of put under the, the spotlight or going back and forth. It was always very, um, felt claustrophobic and the intensity kept ramping up with the music and the lights flickering and like the very mm-hmm. bright scenes. I thought Oppenheimer was going to crack a couple of times, honestly. Like, he kept his composure for the most part. I thought he was, they were going to get to him and he was just going to break down in that scene at some point. But I'm glad that he got the, the win at the end. And But it's to be, it's, it's to be contested whether or not it's a, it's a good ending, though, right, in this movie? Yeah. So and then there's like the hydrogen bomb stuff. There's some, Pre- a, lot, yeah. a lot of crazy stuff. Eric, I love what you said that, like, like saying like does he have regret or did like it basically the whole movie focuses on his the moral and ethics of what he's doing and like he's such a fascinating individual Oppenheimer is because like I found it weird like he's attending all these communist like meetings and he's open to like ideas he's a very 
thoughtful individual, very smart, but like I, I question sometimes like why is he getting involved with this? Mm, is he yeah. that open minded? Why is he a late like why is he cheating on his girlfriends and wife and wife? And like but then and and on the other end too, like he's all in for building a bomb, you know? The Germans are gonna do it anyway, might as well beat him to it. But then after the regret, seeing all that stuff was amazing, like his doubt and he's trying to like justify, yeah, I, I built it, but like I, I kinda like he he's ang he's got all this baggage on it, and he even talks to Harry Truman, President Truman, about it. And Truman's like, "Listen, I'm the one who actually gave the order to drop the bomb. It's not on your conscience. Like, get over it, you chicken, or something." Like he dismisses him, but that's literally half the movie is Oppenheimer coming to terms with what he's done, and it's so cool to watch. And you just see it in his eyes, Killian Murphy's super expressive eyes and face. He does a perfect job of that in this movie. That that was so cool. Like he he should be nominated for an Oscar just oh, yeah. acting without saying words. It's amazing. It's it was cool to see him like trying to draw. Like even Strauss and the other guy are talking about that a lot. Like Oppenheimer's trying to get both ways. You know, like taking responsibility. Like look how good of a scientist I am, but also like skirting all the moral responsibility of having to like you're the reason why all these people died and the earth is the way it is. Like, I don't know. I love that little balance game. Um, that was the, the, to me, that was the really good stuff. Also loved the whole, like building up the little city with Matt Damon, like all the scenes with Matt Damon were great. You know, like the, all the logistics into going the, going into the construction of the bomb. That was fun. Could have watched like a whole movie just on that. But this movie delves even further and goes into like, the man's moral and ethics and his brain and that's what really stuck with me in the movie was i didn't know he was going to go that like i hadn't seen any trailer like you so that really stuck with me eric and it's a movie i could rewatch because of that i think there's lots of things you can notice on rewatch but uh loved all that stuff uh, that was a big highlight for me I'd agree. And it, it was interesting to see like how conflicted he was about like he was all in on making the bomb. And then even when they they had their little, I don't know if it was a rally, but just powwow about when the Nazis mm -hmm. had surrendered and they hadn't used the bomb. And it seemed like everyone was like, oh, we don't need to use the bomb. We won. And he wanted to use it. That's how I interpreted mm -hmm. that. And then it's just interesting how when he did, he then felt the regret, which you'd think he'd be aware of what he was doing in when yeah. he made the bomb and then wanting to follow through with it. So there are definitely some very curious things there, but it would make sense though that someone in that position might not always be single-minded and fully committed to their cause and not have any doubts whatsoever. It does happen where some leaders in history were extremely convicted and knew what they wanted, whether it was right or wrong is to be contested, but Mm -hmm. He was not like that, it seems. And uh, yeah, no, it was interesting to see like him in the, the Communist Party and all his activities with them. And yeah, like I didn't really always know where his allegiances lied, to be honest. And that's what kept us guessing throughout the movie and made for a captivating storyline. I agree with the, the building of the town as well. It was super cool and uh, fun to see them test and make progress and talk about the different options for making their bomb and how that would look like Matt Damon. Good character, definitely a comic relief, I'd say, mm -hmm. but I think it worked. His jokes weren't really cringy in the trailer. I had seen one of the lines where he talks to one of the scientists saying, because what we're doing right now is the most important thing in all of human t 
time or something like that. And I remember seeing Fast 10 with our cousin Sarah and she just started laughing at that line, just clowning it. But in the context of the movie, it worked. I think there was an F-bomb in there too, so made it a little funnier. So it was just interesting to see how a line that seems serious can be funny, but then in the movie is actually what it's supposed to be, which is serious. But he did have other funny yeah. moments. That um, There are a few people in my, in my theater anyways who were cackling at some of his lines and like me it was like sometimes mm. like chuckling and stuff but people found him really funny so i think he was good to have to dilute the um the seriousness of the movie overall without him it could have been a very grim movie because i don't think there's anyone else really bringing the heat comedically speaking that is yeah matt damon was a great choice um he was kind of like Everyone else was so always like all we're, we're surrounded by scientists. Everything, everyone's so freaking serious in the movie. And Matt Damon just brings it more to like a realistic, like, okay, we need to get all this going. And he doesn't say anything like hilarious. He's just the way he says it and his directness yeah. is hilarious. And what was I going to say? Okay, the whole the sequence where they count down to do their main test, like that whole night where they're waiting for the rain to let up and. Oppenheimer's like, I need my brother out here. He knows this land better than anybody. Like, all that, like, that 30, 40 minutes of the movie was the best part of the movie, in my opinion. It was, like, that that last-minute countdown was goosebump-inducing, and it was... I, I loved it. It was beautiful cinema. That's that's all... That's all. There's nothing else to say for that. Like, it's, it's movie magic right there. It's like a clip that you could show, like, down the road in a clip show of, like, best movies of the last... 30 20 years you know and then like the no sound was a good uh, good call actually i don't know if that's because like the light the sound traveled a little slower right it was so far away and then they only got the sound after but anyways i was i'm not i'm not a scientist but that was really cool um did were, was it at all truthfully was it at all a little jarring to see like all the minor characters be recognizable like character actors or was that that's fine because if you can do it why not right what did it distract you at all? Yeah, for sure. Like, no, it didn't distract me. I was always like, hey, that guy or that girl. Like, I was always pumped to see an actor that I recognized. And obviously, I didn't really know, for the most part, who they were playing and portraying. So I was just like, okay, mm. Remy Malik is now... I didn't think he was going to talk the whole movie, honestly. And I was actually... <laughs> I, I would have found that hilarious. If you cast Remy Malik and he doesn't say a word the whole movie, that would have been hysterical. But... No, it didn't. It didn't distract me. Didn't take me out of the viewing experience at all. Honestly, like I like I said, I enjoyed it. There's some who I didn't even recognize when I watched the movie. Like Gary Oldman apparently was in it. Didn't even notice. Yeah. And I'm sure there's a few others that I, I completely missed. Sean Avery apparently is in the movie. Missed him. So yeah. there's a few others <laughs> like that. Okay, so for best parts of the movie, it's very tough to say for me, honestly. Like the bomb going off was a highlight, but there's so many sequences I remember just being thinking in real time like okay like we're in one we're in a scene right now like this is this is cinema just because of how the music was accelerating the the pace of the songs were heating up the the cuts were going quick the the dialogue was extremely intense so all those little factors played into making a beautiful scene that just had you hooked in the moment and there are quite a few of those scenes in the movie one of them that i can recall is the Casey Affleck scene was phenomenal. Just going back and forth in the two different timelines when they're recalling 
who said what, and he's trying to extract information from Killian Murphy. He's trying to dodge his questions and not reveal <laughs> who his uh, acquaintances would be that he might be trying to um, to get. Again, there's for sure some stuff in those scenes that went over my head, but I still remember watching that scene being like, oh, like what's going to happen here? Like, is he going <laughs> to misstep in this verbal joust? Like, I didn't really know where it was going, but I loved it. And um, yeah, there's a few other scenes here. I already talked about the uh, the cross-examination of uh, Oppenheimer with the lawyer. So there's so many great scenes like that. And that's that's really what I remember of Oppenheimer is the great scenes of dialogue mm-hmm. and the acting clinics by pretty much everybody. Like no weak links in this movie. Tough to say who the best best was. Probably Killian Murphy, honestly. But I think everyone in this one completely did their thing. And there should be a few nominations. Killian Murphy, Robert Downey Jr. Maybe Matt Damon in a supporting role. Maybe. But I do feel like his role didn't exert too much out of him. It was pretty much a a comfort zone role. I feel like it was the same role he played that he did in Air. Just maybe a different role. <laughs> a different um, title. Yeah. So, yeah. No, Oppenheimer was... I'm glad it was a great movie. I don't know when is the next time I'm going to see it. Like you, I agree. There's for sure more to pick up on a second viewing. Probably not going to go see it in theaters again. It's funny because I saw it with Zach and uh, one of our friends. And at the end of the movie, I was talking to Zach about it. And I said, like, oh, like, I'm sure there's a lot more to pick up on second viewing. I'm excited to see it again. And he said, like, I don't ever want to see this again. Like, it was a great movie, but I th- I'm good. I got the gist of it. Like, it's, that's it. And I'm like, all right, fair enough. Honestly, it's a long movie. It's a full commit. <laughs> And it's true. It's not really complicated. It's pretty straightforward. But knowing how it resolves itself, it would be interesting to see if you can pick up on other things that would hint towards like, okay, like this is what this person did. This is why they're looking into this person thinking they're a spy kind of thing. I understand what Zach's saying. There's some great movies I've watched that I will never rewatch again either. But uh, lastly, I loved the part with... When Robert Downey Jr.'s Strauss character is so, like, confident he's going to get the cabinet position mm-hmm. and he's like, oh, this is not even a trial. They're just asking questions. His, basically, his mood changing throughout the movie, the more is revealed, the more is question, the more, like, questions get asked. I love that stuff. And, like, he's super caught where he's confident at first and then he turns into, like, holy crap, like, it's going to come down to a vote. It's going to be tight and him not ultimately not getting it. Like, that, that was super fun to watch, you know? And, they did, again, we had to wait for the whole movie for that plot line to get resolved because it's intercut with other stuff, which again, kept the movie fresh and engaging, but uh, no Downey Jr. Was amazing. I just want to reiterate that the movie is probably going to be better than this one. I rewatch it actually. Cause I'm going to like the Casey Affleck scene completely forgot about it, escaped my brain. But now that one, I'm going to rewatch, I'm going to pick up on all the things I've missed. It's a really great biopic about a super fascinating individual, very important man. Who changed the face of history to this day like it's he'll, he'll always be remembered and nolan did a great job directing and storytelling here and great effects great acting very solid movie i gave it four stars on letterbox probably can maybe jump up to four and a half one day but i was very very pleased with the movie and i enjoyed it very much yeah i'd agree i didn't give it a rating on letterbox because i didn't want you to see what I um, ah. thought of it. And I was hoping to not see yours there, but I did see what you gave oh, it. Uh, but I would also say four. <laughs> My bad. Like, I would say four as well. 
uh, with maybe potential to go up to four and a half. But I wouldn't I wouldn't go five stars for this. A podcast I listened to actually, the one of the guys said this is his thirteenth movie. He's given a hundred out of a hundred to. I think that's a bit aggressive, honestly. But I mean, Whoa. it's all subjective, right? Like you have everyone has yeah. their there are things that they like to see in movies, and if that fits mm-hmm. that need for you, they're then right on. For me, I think four stars is accurate, but we'll see down the road. For me, that's pretty much all I'd have to say on Oppenheimer, honestly. I'd be yeah. good to move on to some of Christopher Nolan's other movies, who, as I was going through his filmography the other day, I'm like, this guy is like some of my favorite movies overall, and a lot of very, very good movies. I actually went and did a quick tier of how I would rank his movies. There are no... If you're watching on YouTube, I have it up there, just my personal list there. We don't need to go through it and make our uh, collective list together, Matt, there, but I can just read off how I have his movies. So this tier had amazing, great, good, and then a few others. I put no movies below good. I think all of his movies are good at a baseline. That being said, I haven't seen The Following, and I think there's another movie that I haven't seen. So I put Dunkirk, Tenet, Dark Knight Rises, and Inception as good. Memento, The Prestige, and Oppenheimer as great. Dark Knight, Interstellar, Batman Begins, amazing. So maybe that's a stretch for Batman Begins, but I love that movie. That's just rapid fire thoughts. And Inception, good. I think uh, I want to start there for myself anyways. I've said it on the pod before, but... People love Inception. I think it's overrated, honestly. I think it's, like I said, it's a good movie, but I don't think it's the end-all, be-all of cinema. Similarly to how you think that some people have Dark Knight as the best movie of all time. That's how I would say, that's what I would say for Inception. I think it's a, like it's a smart movie, but I think it thinks it's smarter than it is, and okay. to its detriment, I want to say. It's a cool concept, like dream hunting and uh, going through the different layers of the subconscious. But I've seen it a few times. I enjoy it less every time I watch it too. And I have no real interest in going back to it. So let me my thoughts on Inception, which I've already said on the pod, but just for new listeners or people who wanted to hear what we thought about it, the Oppenheimer Nolan movies, like you might be disgusted hearing me say this, but that's how I feel. When I saw Inception at the theater, I thought it was one of the best movies I've, I had ever seen. Great theater experience. Edge of my seat. Freaking barely breathing. It was so, like, tense and exciting. The countdown, everything. Upon rewatching it two, three more times, yes, it's not, like, it's not one of the best movies I've ever seen. I really like Inception, though, Eric. I'd put it in as, like, not amazing, but the, the great. I feel like he does get better after Inception, but more on that later. No, I, okay, maybe it is maybe it is pretentious and too smart for its own good. All the over-explanation, like, who the hell's supposed to understand that? Especially first-time watch at the theater. No one understood jack shit in that movie. It was so complicated. You, you're probably right with the... There might be plot holes and stuff like that. But anyways, the, if you buy into the story in the movie, it's super, like, edge of your seat, like... With the time dilation and all that, like the van almost hitting the water, and that's like an hour of that, and then they go even further into like the brain. The, anyways, I don't need to explain the movie. People know Inception. I thought it was great. Good characters, good actors, it, an original concept. We had never seen that before. You know, like implanting an idea in someone's brain. Maybe suffers from 
not aging really well. I haven't seen it in a while either, Eric, so... But yeah, that's my thoughts on Inception. It's still a very good movie, in my opinion. Maybe it's the the mystique, the, the maybe the it's it's stigma has worn off, and we've seen better movies come after it. But like when that came out, man, everyone loved that shit. I agree. I liked That's it a lot thoughts. the first time I saw it for sure. I was a big fan of it, but I do think upon further rewatch, hasn't aged as well. Kind of like Shutter Island for some reason. It makes me think of that. Like I was blown away the first time I saw that movie. And then I saw it the next time. I was like, okay, yeah. Like it's cool to pick up on things that you'd miss. Obviously, you wouldn't even know what to think about for the first mm -hmm. time. Twist doesn't hit as hard. And then maybe even the third time, I was like, all right. Like I think I'm done watching this movie. So I, I would put Inception <laughs> in the same category as Shutter Island there. Um, But yeah, that's what kind of goes into your point of also maybe just wanting to see a movie once. Out of you're not you're not sure what's gonna happen the second time you see it, and again it's all subjective. But that's what will make a movie for some people amazing, and then for others just good. It's based on how many times you've seen it, and if it's either worn off on you or just continue to either stay at the same level or get better with rewatch. So there's no real mm -hmm. right or wrong answer here. That's just my opinion on Inception. And I'm just looking at the other Nolan movies. Like the next one could maybe, I, don't, I know it's not really in order here, but I just watched it last night for the first time. So it's pretty fresh in my mind. The Prestige. Ooh. So I'd never seen this before. Absolutely loved this movie. And a large, a large part of it was due to the twist that kept coming. The rivalry between our two magicians, played by Hugh Jackman, Christian Bale, I thought was super interesting. Great cast overall. Michael Caine, Scarlett Johansson, Rebecca Hall. I want to say the the woman who plays Nora in Cheaper by the Dozen was in that as Hugh Jackman's wife, the assistant at first there. And yeah, I mean, the twists mm. at the end of that were crazy. I didn't see a lot of them coming. There's a few things that I was able to kind of see coming. I don't. I feel like it was kind of predictable there. The disappearing man, what he did at the yeah. end with the machine, because they they strongly hint at what the machine does. I don't want to spoil that for people who haven't seen it there. But great, great stuff at the end, end especially. Like I was, I lost it. Yeah. So very good movie. And I have that higher than Oppenheimer. Like, I enjoyed The Prestige more than Oppenheimer. And I think it's because it was more of a maybe straightforward, fun story that you really want to see, like, which magician's going to come out on top. So, less of a thinker mm -hmm. and um, likable character. Well, I mean, it's kind of interesting about likable characters because I was actually more a fan of Hugh Jackman, but then there's times where I'm questioning, okay, like, who am I rooting for here? So it was definitely interesting how they made you, your allegiance, uh, you question your allegiance, kind of like Oppenheimer with his usage of the bomb or not do, using it. So what did you think of The Prestige, Matt? The Prestige, I would say, is like Nolan's hidden gem. I love The Prestige. Nice. I put it higher than Oppenheimer, too. Nice. I remember renting that when that came out. Renting that when that came out, didn't know anything about it loved it rewatched it the next night with my mom and we're trying to like trying to see if she could figure out the twists i won't i won't spoil the movie either because if you haven't seen it you need to check it out but some of those twists at the end completely floored me i had no idea even though there's hints throughout the whole movie you rewatch the prestige you'll see all the hints and you're gonna be like oh my god how did i not see that it's so obvious but enough on that yeah love michael kane in it i remember like the voice like 
him like explaining things in the movie. Freaking Nolan loves Michael Caine too, is in almost all his movies. Christian Bell and Hugh Jackman are fantastic. Like Hugh Jackman's not just an action hero. He freaking he's a good actor too. Great rivalry. Both characters are flawed. They both have their idiosyncrasies. Like they're you get a lot of good character development. It's been over a decade since I've seen the movie, but some stuff still resonate. Like I still remember certain stuff like specifically, and it's very powerful. Uh, like I said, it's a hidden gem in my opinion. Like it's super highly rated, but people kind of stop talking about it. And I remember when it came out, it had a big buzz. Like everyone was like talking about it at school. Like, did you rent this movie? It's really good. Um, but back then, Nolan wasn't who he was now. This is what, like, 06 or 08, maybe? 06, no, 06. 06. Anyways, doesn't matter. 06. Nolan wasn't who he was. He was just another director. In fact, people didn't talk about the movie as a Nolan movie because he didn't have that rep yet because Dark Knight hadn't come out, right? So it was just a good magician movie. Aged super well, too, because I think I've seen it three, four times now, but I haven't watched it in the last 10 years. Maybe I need to correct that. But no, it's it's a four and a half star movie for me. It's it's great. Really good. A hidden gem. I would agree with that, honestly. I do think it is a hidden gem. It's one that I didn't even know was a Nolan movie. It was just in talking about Christopher Nolan wanting to do this pod with people like, oh, you have to check out The Prestige. It's a, a like you said, a hidden gem movie. And could have been one that was, yeah. could have been mentioned in our hidden gem episode back in 2020 with Curtis and Bassam. So maybe if we do a part two to yeah. that episode, we could bring it up then. But yeah, it's on Disney Plus. I would say check it out if you haven't seen it. Awesome movie. And again, the nonlinear storytelling. You start at the end or part of the end anyways. You work our way back. Mm-hmm. You alternate between timelines the whole time through notes and diaries. It's just amazing. I was captivated the whole time. Is there a movie that you'd like to talk about, Matt, from a Nolan's disco- filmography? A following is Nolan's first movie. It kind of feels like a student film and an art film at the same time. Very low budget, black and white. The movie picks up only halfway through the movie. I've only seen it once. I don't remember much, but it's very artsy and low budget. It's a low budget movie because he was not known. Like This was his first entry into first filmography. But no, it's it's an interesting little experimental film, art film, student film, whatever you want to call it. Uh, only a couple characters in the movie. You see early on like how his technique's gonna evolve watching the movie following. So it's worth watching just to see the origins of some of his stuff he still uses to this day. Cool. But it's not a movie I'd say run out and go see. It's there's other better, way better movies than that. But that's following. I say check it out if you're really bored or if you're a Nolan completist, like you need to see everything he's done, check out following. Eric, have you seen Insomnia? No, that'd be the only, that'd be the other one that I haven't seen of his. Okay, then I'll just quickly talk about it then. In, Insomnia is probably his most director for hire type movie. It's based on a Swedish or Norwegian film from the 90s, so it's not even his idea. He didn't write it. He was just asked to direct like a director for hire, like I said. The original is great. This movie is good too. It's exactly like the original. It's got Al Pacino, Robin Williams, uh, what's her face from Million Dollar Baby, Hilary Swank. It's it's a really good detective movie trying to catch a killer in a small town where the sun doesn't set. So it's Al Pacino can't sleep, hence the title Insomnia. You know, it's full full sun 24-7. Good movie. Doesn't feel like a Nolan movie at all though. It's just like another Hollywood movie from 2003. Um, but it's got a good pace and it's not boring at all. 
But then you can see like after this movie was successful, his next movie, Batman Begins, I don't know if you want to jump, you can pick the next movie, Eric, but you can see like where he's picking up steam here and getting ready to unleash like what he wants to do. So what movie did you want to talk about next, Eric? I mean, yeah, quickly going into the Batman trilogy there, Dark Knight trilogy, there are a few Nolan elements in the Batman Begins movie where, again, you're starting in, where do we start exactly in Batman Begins? We start in the past and then you jump, we go in the past quite a bit in this one, seeing his um, journey to become Batman and then seeing his struggles as Bruce Wayne as a, a child and then an adult. And then from the point yeah. on where he returns to Gotham as Batman, there's no more interaction in the past. And it pretty much is like a straightforward superhero movie. So I, uh, unless I'm just blanking on something there, I don't really see any other Nolan isms. It's just a good movie. I think Batman Begins yeah. is uh, kind of disrespected when it comes to this trilogy. I think it's the second best one in there for sure. Better than Dark Knight Rises in my opinion. And obviously not as oh, good yeah. as not as good as the Dark Knight, but still a great movie. You get great performances in there from everyone, pretty much. Like Christian Bale, Michael yeah. Caine, Killian Murphy. You get um, Kate, Katie Holmes. Katie Holmes, yeah, she's great as Rachel. It's too bad that they had to recast her, but yeah, I mean, just a great movie. Batman Begins. Like I have an amazing. And just because, like, I've seen it so many times and it still hits every time. Liam Neeson, great as Ra's al Ghul. We don't, mm -hmm. like, just keeping going, to continue on chronologically here. Dark Knight, don't really need to get into it, honestly. For me, I would say it is one of my favorite movies. It's a pretty mainstream pick. But it truly does live up to the hype, in my opinion. It gets better with time, too. I love watching it. The pacing is phenomenal. Not a second to breathe. They're always moving from one location to the next. Afraid of what the Joker is going to do next. Rooting for Batman. And having to make difficult decisions along the way. Forcing himself to um, go toe-to-toe -to -toe with someone who's his equal, his foil in the Joker. Amazing movie, honestly. And then Dark Knight Rises. Like I said, it's the one I've seen the least of the three I remember liking it a lot in theaters, but then after that, I enjoyed it less, and I might have only seen it like another time after that, so three times in total. I'd have to rewatch it. It's been so long, but yeah, it kind of left maybe a sour taste in my mouth the last time I saw it. I'll go in reverse order. Dark Knight Rises, saw it in the theater, loved it, but then I rewatched it after buying the Blu-ray, and it, it was not as good, and you know what? I've, I don't think I have any desire to rewatch Dark Knight Rises ever, because I remember like what happens, and... I don't think it's all that great, honestly. I think some of the fight scenes are poor. I think Christopher Nolan isn't the greatest choreographer or whoever he hi hired to do the fight scenes. They're not the greatest if you rewatch Dark Knight Rises. Like, you'll see. Uh, well, there's no CGI in the movie for the fights, too, so that may explain that. It's not like Zack Snyder's action scenes. Dark Knight is a really, really, really good movie. I've, we've, I've already talked about this. Maybe I, I think it's overrated, yes, but... Let's talk about the positive. One of the best villains of all time, Heath Ledger. Great pacing, like you said. The cops and robbers, criminals aspect with the like the justice system is amazing. Great action set pieces. Like I said, the Joker's all will always be remembered in cinema. Heath Ledger as the Joker. Uh, Batman Begins. I saw it at the theater when I was like 13, 14. 
phenomenal movie still holds up to this day i remember being blown away in the theater it felt like violent it felt dark it was like scared me a little bit some scenes it was really good um great like super quotable lines you know be it from alfred or just bruce's dad telling him like why do we fall or maybe that's alfred who says that why do we fall so we can learn to pick ourselves up that's just great advice for everyday life right there folks it's a metaphor for everything no, Batman Begins, this is my favorite of the trilogy. I don't know. It's a great, great origin. Nolan's crafted a really, really good superhero trilogy here without going over the top with cosmic and fantasy elements and, like, keeping it more grounded, like a realistic Batman. This is the most realistic Batman we've seen, right? You know, it wasn't too uh, far-fetched like the Z Zack Snyder movies. Right. To say it's one of the best trilogies ever made, I can't contest that. It, it really is technically and entertaining-wise. It, it's very, very solid. The fact that like he could do this, make all his money, then like can do his own personal projects. like This basically gave him all the credibility he needed for Hollywood to be like, yeah, whatever you want to do for your next movie, Christopher, whatever you want to do, you're good. You're good to go because these movies made a ton of money, right? So what's the next? It'd yeah, be interstellar. Ahead, and like, I love the versatility in his filmmaking approach and the projects that he chooses to deliver you get a superhero trilogy here well we start off obviously small scale like his film his indie film vibes small budget that's kind of the grind of any up-and-coming director really when you're trying to make your name known trying different things like going to the magician route the again non-linear storyline in memento that we didn't really touch on yet perhaps and then doing a superhero trilogy to then really diversifying in inception that we've talked about interstellar tenet dunkirk oppenheimer but interstellar would be the next one for me and that's a theater experience that i'll never forget i was blown away in theaters at how beautiful that movie looked the acting the plot twist at the end how that all came together you kind of have to suspend disbelief there with the wormhole and breaking the the fourth dimension mm -hmm. all of that is insane but i'm pretty sure yeah. scientists have confirmed that this theory is not that far off or that crazy like it is scientifically backed which i love that he does his homework for these movies and again gives him more credibility in the movies Matthew McConaughey, amazing in the role. This is where, for me, he was just coming off True Detective, so I was starting to see him as a... This is when he was starting to really go on his run of being the, the, big, the top dog actor in all these projects. He was great yeah. in that. The supporting cast is awesome as well. And, yeah, it's really the visuals in this one that are striking and leave you um, like with your jaw dropped on the the popcorn littered cinema floor. So it was uh, one of my favorites of Nolan's probably my second favorite after the dark Knight. honestly, amazing soundtrack that I actually listened to yesterday. I never get tired of that. It's so nice. soothing dreaming of the crash chase through the cornfield. So many classics. Oh, where do I begin? Uh, to me, interstellar it's, it's Christopher Nolan's magnum opus. It's his best, movie overall um it's not my favorite but we haven't mentioned my favorite yet but interstellar is to me it's like his best made movie his magnum opus I, I just said it like it's he that's his highest high 
in the theater, I wasn't 100% satisfied when I after leaving the theater because I was expecting such a different type of movie, more like exploration and different types of stuff. But the more I rewatch Interstellar, it gets better every freaking time I watch it. I give it five stars now. It's it's amazing. Super emotional too. Like the first time I watched it in the theater, I didn't get all like the emotion stuff. It didn't really hit me, but rewatching it like the scenes with his daughter talking to Jessica Chastain, who's aged now, it's freaking heartbreaking. And there's some really like exhilarating moments too. Like when he's trying to dock one craft onto the spinning other craft and then the soundtrack kicks in and that's an amazing piece right there too. Um, just the scenes at the beginning on earth, that's like dying, like him, like him talking to the teacher and, uh, it's super well written basically uh, it's such a great movie super far-fetched at the end yes a lot of people's problem is that oh it's not real it's stupid it's not realistic yeah sure but it's a movie okay so yeah just i i finally accepted every little convenience in the movie it's a masterpiece it's a 10 out of 10 in my opinion when they go through the wormhole oh my god in the theater that was like un- that was like one of my best experiences in the theater actually like on the imax wow it really, truly is a great movie. It's his best mo- best made movie. It's a masterpiece. Because uh, it gets better every time I watch it. And yeah, that's Interstellar. Freaking great, great movie. Agreed. So I'm curious now to see what your favorite of his is. Because unless you're referring to Memento that we haven't, like I said, You know what it much. is. Yeah, Memento's in my top 10 of all time. I just have a special place in my heart for that movie. I'll just talk about it now, I guess. I... That movie I rewatch constantly, Eric, at least once a year. It's the only movie I watched twice in a row once because I was just like listening to the commentary the second time and I was like, there's something about Memento. I'm so engaged in it. As soon as the first scene hits, I'm sucked into the world of Guy Pierce's character, Leonard Shelby. I'm so drawn into like what's happening. I love them telling the story as if we were suffering from his condition of memory loss. We are presented the story as if we were our main character, piece by piece, not really knowing what's going on till the end. I love that. And Guy Pearce delivers a great performance and the the side characters are great too. Just there's something about Memento that it sucks me in so much that like, I'd rather watch Memento than Interstellar, even though Interstellar is a better movie. But like, Memento is just so near and dear to my heart eric i freaking i know that movie by heart like i love it i like reading about it it's just a great movie in my opinion yeah i've only seen it well i think i've seen it twice for sure because i remember you had lent it to me way way back when i watched it alone and then we watched it with my family not long after so me now knowing what was gonna happen what was going to come I was picking up different things and I had a lot of fun watching it and like seeing how, what their reaction would be to it. But that was so long ago that I honestly hardly remember what I know the general plot of what the twist is, but I would want to yeah. rewatch it to be honest, because I feel like I'd be like the main character in that I've got some memory loss going on <laughs> pertaining to what exactly what happened in the movie. So I'll be a bit surprised again. I don't have too much to add on it. Honestly, I just like how they told that story that we're, I'm pretty sure starting at the end, our character has a memory yeah. loss condition. And the only way he can remember events that have happened is by taking pictures of them or writing on himself. Like he tattoos himself with code words that have meanings to remind him of, okay, like you're going to do this or this has happened. Very interesting movie. And I love the way he chose to tell that story. So 
Um, I have it in, like, like I said, the great category. I, I put it as the number one movie in that category, so I also ranked it very highly for Nolan. And just movies in general. Like, I love how different it is from your traditional storytelling. Like That'd be the biggest pro i would say for all of nolan's movies is how he chooses to tell his stories so unique now are the next two like that's why i wasn't sure if memento would be your favorite one because i was gonna say if tenet or dunkirk are your favorite ones that would have very really surprised me because these would be my <laughs> least favorite of nolan's movies i've obviously only seen them once each i just watched dunkirk the other day for the first time i found it to be okay honestly nothing groundbreaking it had elements that reminded me of Oppenheimer in that there's a certain intensity of, of about the scenes where there's the claustrophobic element where either a pilot is in a cockpit in a sunken plane and the water's slowly building up and they're trying to get out, the frantic music, the quick cuts away, the look of fear in their faces. A lot of the movie, a lot of scenes in the movie had these elements that make for that kind of maybe put you in the shoes of the characters at war here but overall I, I was never really invested in the stories of any of the characters didn't do a great job hooking me and really wanting to know what was going to happen to be honest I was just looking forward for the movie to end so I could say I've seen it and to <laughs> see what was going to happen so but it was never wanting to see what happened out of uh, oh I need to know what's going to happen next it was more of like okay let's let's get this show on the road here like I said, maybe my least favorite of his. So thankfully it wasn't too long. An hour and 47 minutes is uncharacteristically short <laughs> for a war movie, especially. So yeah, Dunkirk just, I don't, it wasn't it for me. I, I don't think I'll rewatch it to be honest, but what are your thoughts on Dunkirk? My thoughts on Dunkirk are it's in the bottom tier for his movies. Like it's, I wouldn't say it's a miss. It's a great sensory and visual movie. Just just focusing strictly on those, there's nothing wrong with it. It was super fun to watch in the theater. The visuals, the sound, the war stuff was cool. I didn't really was not invested into any of the characters though. The 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 jumping between the three timelines was okay at first, but it kind of gets a little jarring after a while, and you stop caring. Um, sure, it was it was cool seeing Tom Hardy in the cockpit. That was fun, and the guy on the boat, and then the, the other soldier, his adventures. It's just not the type of war movie I was expecting. I had such high expectations for Dunkirk in the theater. I was expecting like an, a war epic, like Saving Private Ryan, or a movie like Fury. I did not get that. I got more of a sensory, like sound and visual experience. Cool shots. Didn't really care too much though wasn't really invested in the story like you and the second time i watched it, it the movie fell flat for me and i don't think i'll ever rewatch it okay. also i had problems with it being pg-13 like you're, you're okay don't you don't have to go all out violent for a war movie but like it is war it's bloody it's messy i didn't it get helps. any of that in dunkirk he went more for visuals and like i said visuals and sound went more for in, in terms of like super emotional like that movie 1917 where there was some like gut-wrenching scenes i didn't get any of that in dunkirk mm -hmm. maybe it's my fault for expecting a different movie but that those are my thoughts is it could have been so much better so on your point of that about you maybe expecting it to be something different I have only seen this now for the first time a few days ago knowing exactly what it would be i knew it wasn't this epic war movie with a bunch of big set piece 
action scenes. I knew all that. I knew literally that the highlights of the movie that people had said were, oh, the sound is off the hook and the the visuals are great. Like, knowing all that, it did not make me appreciate either or more. If anything, it made me wish there was more action. And uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's a disappointing watch knowing yeah. that it wasn't going to be this uh, extremely exciting movie. And, uh, yeah, that's going to be it for me on Dunkirk. Knowing that you didn't like it more the second time makes me completely <laughs> sure that I do not want to rewatch this. <laughs> Fair um, enough. Yeah. So that would leave one, one, one movie now, Tenet, which I watched for the first time last year. Again, I'd put this one in the bottom tier of Nolan. Not a bad movie by any means. I think it's still good. But this is really, okay, if I said Inception is a movie that tries to be smart, then what's Tenet? Because Tenet is like a full on mind, you know what? And it's pretty much, I would say, impossible to grasp the plot of this movie without looking up what the explanation is for what happens in the end. Like, there are certain things you can pick up on. Like, I remember the backpack that our, that Robert Pattinson's character has that has like an iconic string on it. You see that be placed a few times so you could figure out, okay, like this was him in another timeline where he ended up or whatever. But a lot of the leaps and conclusions that we get to at the end, while they may be hinted at, not clear at all. And I can respect the director not wanting to give us exposition, say like, this is that character. He's going to grow up to be this character. Yeah. A bit, a bit more would be good in this situation because it's really unclear who's who in the zoo in this situation, in this movie. But, you know, it does, did a good job at keeping me interested and wanting to find out what was going to happen. I liked Robert Pattinson and John David Washington a lot in this movie, but it was definitely very confusing. This is an extremely confusing movie, Eric. Uh, I've only seen it once at the theater, if, yeah, like you said, if, Inse- if you think Inception's pretentious, uh, pretentious, I think Tenet's super pretentious. <laughs> because even though I want, like, I want to learn more, like, after watching the movie, I want to, like, read more about it and figure it out. At the end, I'm like, I don't even care, actually, because it didn't hit me that hard. Like, it didn't, I wasn't that invested. I remember my mom, who saw the movie with me, she was way more into it and trying to figure it out. I was just lost. And I remember the specific point in the movie where I just totally fell off that never happens to me rarely happens to me where i just stop caring and i'm like i'm gonna stop trying to figure it out and just watch and try to enjoy it but there was so maybe subtitles would have would have helped and maybe i'm doing this to myself because i watch everything with subtitles now so when i go to the theater i'm like okay i gotta put my like game ears on and like really try to listen really well i'm super lazy at home but no like there were some good elements cool concepts just way too like too much not science but like too much futuristic like i don't even remember half of it i I can't even talk about it what i will talk about is after interstellar nolan does dunkirk and tenant and i was like ooh, i was getting a little worried actually because i think i maybe i enjoyed dunkirk a little more in the theater than tenant um but tenant had a better more more like intriguing story it actually has a story dunkirk's very light on the story but yeah. this is why oppenheim oppenheimer i'm super satisfied with okay nolan no no he hasn't lost anything he just tried something different with dunkirk and tenant tenant is a super ambitious movie let's be real here let well, if tenant had a couple things like edited or trimmed or 
something less complicated it could have it could have been like a masterpiece of a movie super like another inception like i I feel like tenant is a failed inception Mm. where inception didn't didn't go overboard with all that stuff they tried to introduce and all the science behind it and the technology that's way far-fetched i feel like tenant just went like cranked it up to 11 with it and it was too much yeah, those are my thoughts on Tenet. A lot of cool reveals and twists at the end where my mouth dropped. I'm like, oh my yeah. god, like all that crap. That was cool. But yeah, it went way over my head. Maybe I've seen a, a thousands of movies. Like I'm good at picking up what happens, but Tenet like confused the living shit out of me, Eric. I was so lost. Um, and it was a yeah, step down from me. Like I was a little. I feel like, like you said, Inception walked so Tenet could run and then trip a few steps in. <laughs> But <laughs> I I agree. Nice. It, it um it tried too hard, and no one loves a try hard. Just be chill. Give us some easy going, Oppie, and that's kind of why. Again, I was a bit going into Oppenheimer, thinking it had flop potential coming off Tenet, coming off. I hadn't seen Dunkirk mm-hmm. yet, but just knowing that it wasn't as revered as some of his previous movies despite the superstar cast, which we've seen often when a stacked cast is there, doesn't necessarily guarantee that we're going to get a classic. Just look at Amsterdam or uh, Babylon from all last year. I'm pretty sure I haven't seen either of the movies, but from what I heard, they weren't that great given the cast that they both had. So I felt like Oppenheimer could fit in that pocket. It made its own space outside of said pocket, which I'm glad to see. Yeah. Tenet, not one I'm going to rush to rewatch again, honestly. I even wonder how much I'll even get out of it a second time. Watching, I watched with subtitles at home, Matt. Didn't really help in my understanding of it, to be honest. But I agree. I feel like movie theaters should just start playing movies with subtitles. When we went and saw mm. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 in the theater the other day, the first lines of dialogue in the movie, I believe, are in Russian. But then they switched mm-hmm. to English, and there were subtitles... For the first few lines, and I don't know if this was just a slip up on the production company's side or the movie theater itself. And I thought like, oh my God, are they going to actually play this with subtitles? I was pumped. They quickly rectified that and took the (laughs) subtitles away. I was disappointed, but it's all good. Still was able to enjoy the movie, obviously. But yeah, no, subtitles in the movie theater would be huge because sometimes it's hard to hear with the... The quality yeah. of the speakers and how loud it gets, like it, it would help a lot. Yeah, that's a good rundown on all the movies. Like we got a lot of submissions from people listing what their favorites were. So we've gone through all of them there, but I still want to just give a few shout-outs there. So there's a few Inceptions. Nick Segain, Ezra, and Daniel Roloch both said Inception, all said Inception as their favorite Christopher Nolan movie. Justin Mochtinger said... Oppenheimer is his favorite Nolan movie. Really? Mart <laughs> Chevalier. Yeah. Yeah, I was surprised, honestly. Oppenheimer favorites. Like, yeah. Good pick. Like, it's a great movie for sure, but I was definitely uh, definitely surprised. So, no, but still a good pick, though, Justin. Next up was from Mart Chevalier. He said the Dark Knight, big Dark Knight guy, so I was not surprised there. Then your boy Ginger Swain said. Well, oh. what was up with the choice of making Batman sound like Brian Murray with a bad cold? So not really a, a pick there, more a take on Batman <laughs> sounding like Brian Murray, apparently. But I love that. Great contribution there. Wow. 
And then Ezra also said Memento as his other favorite. So Memento got some All right. there. No Interstellars. Like, I know some people who love Interstellar a lot. They're maybe expecting to see some of them provide that in there. But, yeah, a lot of Inception. Like, that was the most popular pick was Inception. So, I might get torched for my take online. <laughs> I'll have to hide and not show my face in public for a couple of weeks before it all boils down. But, you know, said what I said. So, thanks, everybody, for the submissions. What's cool is... Nolan, such a great storyteller, and he's still so young, Eric. We will see many more Nolan movies. I'm very excited for that. Like, one day, Oppenheimer will only be at, like, halfway through his whole filmography, and that's pretty exciting, you know, if he has 20-plus movies. Um, The guys in the top-tier directors of our time, like Denis Villeneuve and Tarantino and all of them, like, we always look forward to a new Nolan movie and can't wait to see what else he's going to do, so... JFK apparently that's his next movie. Is yeah. that confirmed? JFK? I thought that was just a, a rumor. rumor because I thought that was a rumor. I, yeah, it's oh, a rumor. Okay, okay, gotcha. It's a rumor because Oppenheimer's mentioned in Tenet, and then he does Oppenheimer, and then JFK's mentioned in Oppenheimer. Right. So maybe he'll do JFK next. Yeah. Which, to be honest, like I was just gonna ask you what you'd like to see. What would you like to see um, Nolan do next? I'll just say quickly for me, I don't really want him to go that route. I don't really want him to do a biopic again. I enjoyed Oppenheimer. I thought it was great, but I would want to see him trying a, an original concept again, like he did with Tenet, like he did with Inception. Which, as yeah. I said, I hate. It didn't like both those movies, but I would want him to see to go down that path again. Maybe not try to be that clever with an over-the-top crazy sci-fi concept, but something different and unique. Not, I don't want to see him do another biopic, just to be clear. I want to see him do something okay. that's um, unique. And I'm sure if he does go the biopic route or something grounded in hardcore reality, he'll still include his non-linear storytelling style and maybe with a twist in there. Yeah, so that's what I would want to see. I don't know what exactly, you're like Interstellar style. I kind of agree with you with not doing a biopic because you know what? That's like easy mode for him. Like, I feel like Oppenheimer was not that difficult. Like, in terms of it's not a giant space movie, it's not Inception, it's not a superhero. There's no big stunts in the movie, basically, is what I'm trying to say. Um, I'd love to see like a detective serial killer movie, maybe another one of those, like a really cool film noir esque movie. Or I'm down for another uh, interstellar esque, like sci fi extravaganza epic completely different story make it like inner space traveling maybe in the future where there's colonies on different planets something like that um without going too much into like the superhero realm though like i maybe more like grounded in reality in that type of future but no man he can do whatever he wants if he loves history that much and wants to make his historical stuff like jfk if he wants to do a freaking period piece like an ancient rome movie that'd be cool too Mm, you know if he if he loves history that much that'd be awesome kind of like ridley scott does you know all these historical epics but no i'm excited to see whatever it is and i'll go i'll be the first i'll go see jfk opening weekend if he does a jfk movie i'll still respect I like seeing all his movies at the theater. Now he's earned that right. He's earned my respect in that regard. So yeah, of his movies, I actually love that. Actually, a period piece like way way back would be pretty sweet. Even throwing it back to maybe the Greek times, or maybe some stories straight out of the Iliad or Homer's Odyssey. That'd be pretty cool. Who knows? A lot of Ooh. lot of potential. Whatever direction he goes, like like you, I'd, I'll go see it for sure. 
So I think, uh, yeah, I, I will say though, I don't think we're at the halfway mark of his career. I think he's on the back, back uh, nine. Like I don't, I know he's young, but I just wonder how many more of these movies, like how, how long they take to film, especially because he only wants to shoot on film, right? Which I love the decision. I think it looks right. great, but I don't think he has that many more movies in him. To be honest, I could see five more movies, but I don't think we're at the, I think we're past the halfway point for him. I hope I'm wrong again. Hey, that wouldn't be the first time I'm wrong about Christopher Nolan saying that Oppenheimer would be a flop. So again, I would love to be wrong here, but I, I don't think uh, yeah. he has that much more in him to be honest. Yeah, and it is a young man's game. Like, he's 52, but if he only puts one every three years, that's, like, only exactly. six movies till he's 70. Or So, yeah, you, you may be right, actually. It might be ambitious for me to say he's got 10 or 13 more movies. And if he starts cranking them out, the quality's going to dip. We know it. It always happens. Uh, rare, very rarely do directors get better with age, like, in their, in their uh, when they become seniors. But, no, hey... If his career were to end tomorrow, he has a freaking great filmography and will always be remembered. He's a, a very ambitious director. Every actor wants to work with him. Probably has like great atmosphere on the set. Probably super like fun guy to talk to. Seems like someone who's, you know, well-read, smart. Maybe comes off, maybe he's a huge dick and like a know-it-all. I don't know, but everyone seems to, he gets to work with the same people over and over again. So that's got to say something about his person. Yeah great director i'm glad we got to talk about his movies today it'll be interesting to look back and like when we're older and re-listen to this and be like oh what do we think of this movie how does inception hold up 30 years from now right Right? so maybe it'll be my favorite um, movie at that point who knows (laughs) right or maybe tenet will be our favorite movie and we're like yeah we watched it 10 times we finally got it yeah (laughs) we finally got it yeah Yeah. no for sure that's the great thing about opinions they can change over time i'm good to jump over to some recommendations there okay on um my end again i've been watching a lot and i'm watching a show right now which is we've talked about a few times on the pod which would be the second season of the bear which is now all on on Mm. disney plus i'm enjoying season two quite a lot i'm only at the halfway mark right now and i know that the back half is very strong like it has a few like the next episode that i'm at is the one that everyone talks about fishes is what it's called so i'm looking forward to what i might watch that tonight actually loving what they're doing in season two they're changing them the style up a little bit where season one is really a chaotic season it's very claustrophobic in the kitchen while the characters still deal with a lot of stress in season two it's handled and presented very differently and we're getting a lot of good character development for all the different members of the kitchen they're all getting their chance to shine Mm. which is something i think was missing in season one so so far i would say Season two elevated from season one. So big fan, definitely recommend Matt. If you have not finished season one, I would huh. recommend to get back on and then on to season two. Damn. Yeah, I will have to finish season one because there's no way I'm starting season two without finishing one. I have heard good things on season two and I like the act. Like it was, yeah, I just, like we talked about before, like the chaos, it kind of like got me not wanting to continue, but uh no, for sure. It's an easy show to watch, too. It's like half-hour episodes, not a lot of episodes per season. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to get on that. I mean, I'm still... I just finished season four of Black Mirror, so I got two more seasons to go of that. Loving... Season four has been great. Um, I can't remember if I mentioned any episodes of season four on other episodes, but I'll just say it again. 
there's an episode with Jesse Plemons where he's like, a, he takes people that his coworkers and he puts them into this alternate, like his virtual reality. He he basically takes their like an AI version of his coworkers and traps them. And he's like the boss in that little world. But in real, in real life, he's a loser. I'm doing a poor job of explaining the episode. But if you've seen it, you know what I mean. Jesse Plemons, what a boss. The technology they introduced in Black Mirror, that's what I want to talk about. This writer of Black Mirror, Charlie Booker, his freaking concepts and plausible technology that can be invented in the future is out of this world. Like, I love his ideas, like stuff, if it's just like a chip that records everything or it's a chip that makes you feel what another person's feeling or putting a person inside your consciousness too and they co-hit coexist with you like stuff like that was really like mind-bending to me and i would never seen anything like it very late to the party on black mirror but now i'm on season five and then season six just came out so i'm gonna be caught up very quickly so yeah that's the tv show i've been watching nice yeah i haven't seen season six yet there but i'll get on it because i do want to have like a pretty comprehensive list of like the shows that have come out this year obviously can't see everything there but black mirror would be one to get back on for me now Moving over to the music side of things, there's actually a pretty big album that dropped today on the rap side that I've been anticipating for years, which is Travis Scott's Utopia. I uh, have listened to it already twice today in full. It's a pretty long album. I loved it. Honestly, I thought it was a great album. Mm. I enjoyed it more the second time too because it's definitely a different vibe than what we've gotten from Travis in the past. And... You can definitely tell there's some influence of uh, from Kanye West on this. People are comparing it to Kanye's album Yeezus, which I actually hate. Oh, but <laughs> I think he did a good job at adapting the concepts that Kanye had in there in terms of the production, especially, and making music that for me, anyways, was easier to vibe to. And I was a big fan of what he did on the production side of things. And like I said, I liked it more the second time too. Great album. It was needed for me, especially in this year of rap. It's been pretty weak. So I'm looking forward to re-listening to that on and on and seeing where it ends up on my list at the end of the year. But very satisfied with it. It was a highly anticipated album. He hadn't dropped one in five years. So there's obviously high expectations, big hype for that. And um, like Oppenheimer, he didn't disappoint. So Travis Scott, (laughs) Utopia, check it out. All right, sweet. I I didn't see what came out today yet, so I will be downloading that after and listening to it. I'm I'm not going to say I'm not a Travis Scott fan. I just don't know enough about him. Like I know songs, I can name you songs. I can't talk about any of his albums cuz I've never listened to a, a full album of his before, which is crazy cuz he is a big name, I know. So I'll be li- maybe after Utopia I'll listen to his discography. I will- I, I enjoyed last you would yeah i would you recommend that i think all his albums are really good and they get better with time too so that's what i did yesterday all day i listened to all his albums like that was the prep for utopias running it back from rodeo all the way to uh, astro world i could listen to his three solo albums and uh, so good okay there's only three so that'll be like it won't take long for me to listen to but he has a few other albums with other people like he has an album with quavo Mm. that i love as well and an album with his label which is just seven songs they're not very long but his solo albums are all very good okay sweet speaking of solo album last week magic 2 dropped by nas and i really enjoyed that one eric i don't know if you listened to it we probably have 
I've been listening to it during my workouts, and it's a quick album, great flow, great lyrics. Seems very effortless for Nas. I don't know. It's like he's just cranking them out, cementing his legend. Uh, but I like that album too. I recommend that album. It's been a weird year though. I haven't last year and the year before listening to rap like every day before work. But now I've been listening to like a lot of rock. I've been listening to like new rock actually, but I'll get into that at a later date. Nice. And some just the radio. So the weaker year like deterred me from listening. Like my hip hop grinding will probably happen at the end of the year when I'm prepping my list and I'm going to be listening to really like everything that came out. But uh, so it's been it hasn't been a solid year is what you're saying. Okay. Yeah, pretty slow. Like I don't I haven't been listening to that many albums from this year myself. Honestly, I'm either going back to uh, which is strange that that's just how I operate. And that, like, I try to just stick to albums of the year that I'm in to see where they land on my list at the end of the year. It might be crazy to <laughs> some people. But that's just how I move. Yeah, it's been like going back to the past a bit more and listening to like non rap as well. Like I listen to a lot of movie soundtracks. That's just classic mm. for me when I work or even they like, do tasks around the house. So I don't listen to a podcast. Sometimes I'll just throw on like fellowship of the ring soundtrack and jam out to bag end. You know, there's a lot of great, great songs on those soundtracks and scores, which are also peaceful to listen to. It's not the mm-hmm. upbeat, all, like sh- frantic energy at times are just like chill background music. I love it. What what's a soundtrack that people may not know is actually great? Like what's an underrated one, Eric, that you could like shoot out to the people it's and a, to me right it's now? A good question, honestly, because I, I normally run the same things. Like I do Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, Twin Peaks. Like I know people. If you've not seen uh, Twin Peaks, it's a great soundtrack, nonetheless. The theme song's classic, and I love like the neat, the jazz vibes to it. I am a big fan of that album constantly listen to that what else i listened to the gladiator soundtrack the other day after we did our episode mm. there it got me thinking about that i'm like oh let's check it it's actually pretty peaceful good. it has some upbeat songs but for the most part it's very enya just slow and good background music so i'd spin the gladiator soundtrack hans zimmer can't go wrong yeah that'd be a, another recommendation and something else i'm in reading a bit more now i would recommend it a few episodes ago the inheritance games the first book in that trilogy so now mm. i'm actually on the third one in that trilogy called the final gambit Whoa. really good like they're page turners very easy to read they're short chapters too like three four pages sometimes so they all end oh. on like cliffhangers so they're they make for very easy and quick reads and i'm enjoying them a lot it's kind of young adults i would say like there's some of like, your classic like love triangle in there and coming of age. It's interesting. It's a, it, I could definitely see this trilogy being adapted into either a show or a movie series. And if so, yeah. like cast me as one of the brothers, you know, just get me in the mix. Get me in there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the inheritance wow. games trilogy. I'd recommend that again. Really good. I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I completely forgot I remember now the last time you mentioned it, but escape my brain because I have such a so many things in my head right now. Uh, I don't really have much else to recommend. I we only recorded last week, so uh, just been rewatching a lot of old movies actually. But I don't care to talk about any of them right now. Okay. Just watching old movies I've seen a bunch of times, just because why not? 
had it's been years. It's weird throwing a movie you've seen so many times, but you've waited like now two, three years, and you throw it on. You're like, oh yeah, I remember every single moment of this movie. Right. I didn't lose any of it. Same with when you throw a movie you've seen as a kid. You throw it on now, you'll still remember every freaking line. If it's Uncle Buck or a John Candy movie, Eric, or like The Mighty Ducks, or for me, The Mummy with Brendan Fraser, I'll still remember the, all the dialogue, and I hadn't seen the movie in 10 years. Just so, like, your child's brain just captured everything and retained it all. It's crazy. That's it for my recommendations. Yeah, I'd say the same for me, honestly. Those would be the ones I'd impart on everyone. So, um, thanks everybody for listening. Matt, any uh, final notes for the listeners? Just thank you guys for listening as well. Uh, Eric, great job tonight. It was super fun talking Nolan with you. Hopefully everyone enjoyed our Nolan talk. Let us know if you have, let us know what you think of our thoughts on the movie um, and have a great summer out there. And yeah, thank you. Yeah, agreed. Thanks a lot, everybody, for listening. Stay tuned for episodes dropping every two Mondays. Continue to enjoy your summer. And uh, yeah, love you all. Peace switch up there.